And this week we are Johnny Hungy. How are you doing tonight? I'm frustrated because I don't know where Zoom gets off telling me to restrike my computer. Yeah. But I'm I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, work was fucking weird this week, but you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, I think we both may have had some rough weeks. I've definitely had some rough weeks and rough everything weather's been crazy we both have had power outages off and on um storms snow hail (laughs) it's been fucking wild out here um as i know it has been out there uh plus plus the world of construction in my neighborhood never stops um the a building right next to us that used to be owned by Bloomhouse, Blumhouse, whatever you know the that movie production company. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Um, I know probably some people in the Slack chat know what I'm talking about. I think they do like horror movies or something. Um, I think they're most well known. Maybe I think they're the people who do the Purge, like they do all those Purge movies. Um, that building that was it's literally right next door to my building just got demolished randomly one day. Like in the morning, leave for work, it's there. Come back, it's gone. Uh, and they're building another another charter school in our neighborhood. Um, so that's great. We, that's what we need is more charter schools. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'm pretty much just completely doxing where I live. But if people want to take the time to to figure it out, it wouldn't be that hard anyways. Um, but, yeah, so it's been crazy. Yeah. When, when you say that you live like 10 minutes from Globe Theater, like it's probably not going to be like that hard to like. Sure. Like, like yeah, you know what? Let, let's, I'll, I'll just like stand around. And I'll bump into Tim at some point. It's, I mean, it's not that hard. And people know, I always, I say what wrestling shows I'm going to. Speaking of, I've got like most of my tickets for WrestleMania weekend. And I have the misfortune of basically I'm double booked right now um, because I have tickets for ROH. But then Prestige goes and books like Aja Kong and fucking Ultimo Dragon. And I just could not. So I've got both tickets and I'm going to see what this ROH show ends up looking like, but the chances that it's going to outdo Aja Kong versus Masha Slamovich are pretty fucking slim. I mean, it's, where I, mean I'm gonna... I mean, you might, you might get Eddie versus Claudio on there. 
I mean, that match will be good, but do I care about being in the building for that as much as I care about being in the building for Aja? True. You know what I mean? True. True. So, um, got that. Got the DDT show, the, the actual DDT show, which will be good in the blood sport right now. And then we've got yeah. fucking Icarus wrestling, and the only thing they've got announced is like a Wednesday night show. I'm like, okay, I'm going to shows Thursday and Friday, and I gotta work. I don't know if I can make, like get myself out to fucking Burbank for a Wednesday night show on the same week. Um, but it's the only chance that I'll probably get to see Judas Icarus on the weekend, it seems, because that's the only thing that he's been announced booked in. So, you know, I don't want to go to a ton of shows. I just want to go to some some a couple decent shows, you know, see people who I've never seen before, like Higuchi and Aja and stuff like that. But yeah. So are you going to go to... Uh see daylight's battle at the globe theater no what is that so uh you know you know about the, the battle rapper daylight right oh okay yes yes so um daylight is battling this mma fighter i think his <laughs> name so so i think his name is joel bauman or something like that but like he goes by king bow and like oh yeah i've heard of that guy yeah, so and most notably, he's like he has like a post fight interview where he's like talked about like having like herpes or some shit. Like I don't fucking know, right? But like they're battling, and it's like some league uh, King Bow created called like Create for You or some shit. So they're battling, and it's at the Globe Theater. So huh. I feel so I feel, I feel like like one I'm not looking for just because I watch and cover battle rap. Obviously, I. Might have to watch this event, which I'm not looking <laughs> forward to. But no. I also feel like if you watch this battle yourself, you would also hate it. So I feel yeah. like you should go. Perfect. Yeah, like I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing a great sales pitch here. But it's at Globe Theater, which is also like, which is clearly like relatively cl- like very close to you. Yeah. So yeah, that's go- that's going on. They had the most obnoxious like. uh Kind of like face off <laughs> where they like talk where, where they you know they're like supposed to talk shit or do whatever people get like like a promotional thing, and right. um, King Bao is a fucking NFT weirdo. Oh, perfect. Yeah, he's a, he's an NFT weirdo. So he's someone <sighs> that also he's like he's like also QAnon adjacent. He did <laughs> well, he, he, of course. But he, yeah. he he won a fight and then talked about Jimmy Kimmel and flight logs. And and, and uh, he's saying he fights to stop the exploitation of children. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so he's like he's he's gone all the way over there with it, and he wants to be a billionaire, but hates billionaires. Well, I mean, you know, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, um, yeah, it's yeah. So that's that's that. So I think I'm not. I think that card is like the twenty fifth of march so if you're not busy that day then maybe you can you go know, watch daylight think... <laughs> king bow but that's like the monday or something that week isn't it it's like it's that's wrestlemania week still oh no i guess it's the weekend before yeah so, yeah maybe you know what you know what perfect i'm free all right <laughs> putting it on the schedule um well there is the mma connection there because quentin i was gonna say we've got tons of stuff that's happened since the last time we podcast a bunch of great wrestling to talk about all these things i want to mention but let's start off the show right just like the name of the title the return of johnny 
Bones Jones, as they announced, and he's Johnny Hungy because at super heavyweight, he's not looking like Bones anymore. Um, and you said you had plenty to say about this match or this fight, I should say. I don't have, you know, tons to say about the fight, but maybe tons to say about UFC and MMA as a whole and everything coming out of this. Yeah, I like. So I watched this. A friend was streaming. A friend was streaming it, and we all caught. We all we all caught it. And going into the fight, I'm like, I don't bet against John Jones. It's just a rule for me. I yeah. just don't bet against him. But it's like Cyril Gon's the number two heavyweight in the world. Number three heavyweight in the world, depending on who you ask. Like, like log like logic should tell me that. Three year absence, first fight in a new division that Gon should win this fight. So, like, I didn't really know what to expect going into it. I didn't expect a complete fucking domination like that. With incredible, like, like I couldn't even, like, I didn't, I couldn't even really process what happened because they exchange, they they exchange, they, they, they do an opening glove exchange. Jones gets kicked in the dick. That's really the only actual offense gone gets in on Jones. Yeah. <laughs> like, Jesus. And the, and the next thing I know, they're tied up. They're, they're tied up in the cage and Jones is like positioning the whole, the whole, the whole time is just fucking remarkable. And the next thing I know, he's, he's behind him. I'm like, wait, how did he do that? When did he, when did he get yeah. there? And I'm like, okay, that doesn't look like it's in tight enough. And then he just, and then he stays on his back. It's like, it's like, what's like, what the fuck is going on? I like, I truly couldn't believe what I saw. I didn't know whether it was God was caught off guard and like the moment was too big for him. I didn't like, I like, I really didn't know what to chalk it up to. But the fact that Jones went and beat. Like, or what you want to say, like a top two or three heavyweight in the world after that layoff and his first fight in the division is some, yeah, we like this conversation shouldn't even be happening anymore. Like, no, hate him, do whatever, but like, whoever is like the best fighter ever, like, this shouldn't even be a conversation anymore because that shit doesn't even make sense. And it seems like Stipe is gonna be the, gonna be the next fight. And if he goes and beats Stipe, then like there really shouldn't even be a conversation. But uh yeah, I was just in awe watching that. I was literally jaw dropped, could not believe what I what, what I saw. Yeah. The G I mean, there's the GSP thing and people talk about that, and but I mean e- completely effortless. Completely I mean, I I was it was so early in the fight. And it looked like so nothing that I was like kind of not really paying attention. And my first thought was like, because because of the way that they were situated, I was like, did Jones get like a, a triangle pushing him up against the cage? Right. Because he was out and the way that they were that. So then I like rewatched it and I was like, no, like. It was just the lightest, awkwardest guillotine with Gon's back up against the cage. And he was, I guess just tapped was just out i don't even fucking know it was 
crazy. It was crazy. And as you said, Gon gets it, it, zero it, it, offense. It, it didn't even it didn't even look like it, looked like it was it like it was in that deep, right? It didn't even look like it was in at all. <laughs> like it was crazy. It was it, like, that's it, why it Jones looked, is just it, fucking it so crazy. Weird. Like when like when I saw him in control, I'm like, okay, yeah, like he's in control, but like he's not in any real danger here. Then he just like kept it on. Yeah. I'm like, well, well what? he adjusted. He almost yeah. completely let go and like readjusted, but it was like still didn't look good. Yeah, and so I'm just sitting here like, nah, there's no fucking way. Like, no, because like, <laughs> no, yeah. again, we like we watch this stuff. Like, we know that like, like, what, like, if there's one thing you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to just like keep wearing your arms out trying to for trying to trying to force a submission. That's not that's not and that's not in a good that's not in a good position. No. So and yeah, that, he kept his he kept his guillotine that. he kept his guillotine on, and like it to us, it's not looking like it cinched in that deep. But I guess he adjusts and does whatever, and it still doesn't even look like it's in that deep. And then suddenly yeah. gone taps. And I was like, wait, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> yeah, the angle that they were at, the fact that they were up against the cage, like, I don't understand why gone even tapped. It's like, but I guess it was just, I guess he had to, I guess. Like you said, I he might have been just fucking in awe and just starstruck at the level of what was going on and where he was at. I mean, I guess that's possible, right? But fuck, you know, like it's nuts. And yeah, Stipe, Stipe next, and that does that continues to prove Jones. But I mean, obviously, the big asterisk and the big question mark is Naganu, and like the fact that that fight's not gonna probably not gonna happen, but is probably the only real competition for uh, for Jones that's out there in the heavyweight division at this point. I don't know if anybody else can, can you know, is, is there's anybody else anywhere that can really come up or or maybe the wheels fall off on Jones relatively quickly at this size because we did not really get a good look at what heavyweight Jones actually looks like in a fight because this was not a fight. Yeah, I, I don't like part of me is like, damn, do I want to see what this like looks like in a in a rematch? But yeah, no, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, like I don't like I don't know what happened. Like, this like this is gone who took and gone to the five rounds. So right. there, he he has to be better than this, right? He has to be better than this. <laughs> but and, and like I really like gone too, which is why I was in such disbelief because I really like gone. Yeah. Um, he looked like but, a fucking amateur though against Jones here. I mean, yeah. he really did. Um, All the way down to, like you said, opening up the match with a fucking foul kick to the dick. Like, this guy looked just completely outclassed. But yeah, not nah, like there's all. I think that's I think that's a big part of it too. And like, I feel like it's interesting to look at the contracts, the, the contract disputes going on with UFC and even in, in the NFL right now with Ngannou in UFC and then Lamar Jackson, uh, right right now with an NFL. Like guys who I'm who I think is like. Pretty clear they're worth the money, worth whatever money they're asking for. But whatever, whatever like ownership's refusal is to give those guys that kind of money, when like I feel like those like those guys are worth like whatever they're asking for. Yeah, I feel like it's like especially like and got like we like we know the heavyweights and 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 MMA and in combat sports we've seen that like smaller we've seen smaller guys can make money we've seen that but like at the end of the day like. This is still a society likes to like that likes to watch the big heavyweights, and if heavyweights are good and in a good place in the division, then people are gonna buy heavyweight fights. Yeah, that's it's just, easier like, to draw as is. a heavyweight. 
it's same just, thing, it's just easier. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing. Same thing with boxing. Like, there's a reason why heavyweight. Why heavyweight boxing now? Now that that's, now that that's like uh, become a big, a bigger trend again, is where all the, is where a lot of the ticket sales are. That's not. That's not. That's not a surprise. So, if you have a guy that has all the potential to be your your biggest heavyweight star possible, at least since at least since Kane, then why would you not do that? It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. So that, like, that's but that's Dana. That's Dana being Dana and how stubborn he is. And then I know. I know you're not like the big, the biggest sports guy, but Lamar Jackson literally has won an MVP and led his team to the best to the best record in, in their in their conference before. And he w- probably wants at least like one of like the most lucrative quarterback deals of all time, which of course, when you're trying to build a roster, you don't want to pay someone that much money. But at the same time, when the pre when, when some of the precedents for this contract are shit like Deshaun Watson, getting one of the most lucrative contracts of all time after, like after him, after the sex scandal or mid the sex scandals and without having accomplished nearly a fraction of what Lamar Jackson has accomplished, Getting that big of a contract, the market is just the market. That's just that's just what it is. And if you have a guy that's an MVP level talent, and at some point has led you to the best record in the conference, then you just got to pay him. And so he he plays for the he plays for the Baltimore Ravens, obviously, where I live and where I'm from. This is the only good quarterback the Ravens have ever had. So I truly fear what will happen. To this city, if Lamar Jackson leaves, because that yeah. that that will not be pretty. Like, I can I can guarantee I can guarantee you, with how much this team, how much this team loves, like no team, how much this this city loves this loves the sports teams, loves the Ravens, that there might be some sort of cultural divide at first. With the um, Lamar is asking for this much money, da 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 da. da. Like some people, probably more than likely white. We'll have some things to say about Lamar, but ultimately, people will. You don't be surprised if you see people like, uh, gathering and uh, and protesting outside of the Ravens facilities or something if they don't pay Lamar Jackson. <laughs> yeah, right. It's uh, yeah. I mean, especially when you do have like a an entire franchise being built off of someone and it's a, and it's a, a area like that the ravens i know are very popular but they're not a uh they're not a winning a super winning team right they don't have a history of, of tons of wins so when you not get like, something not, going not, not like super bowl wins but the team has been good, pretty like pretty yeah. consistently good for like for the for the majority of its history like if i if i if i went through um like the ravens history I, I think more than they more than likely have a winning record. Okay. So yeah. So so so, so, so so it's a team where like it's always is more than likely a good team, but not like the Steelers or Patriots or Cowboys or whatever of a bunch of Super Bowls. Right. So yeah. So obviously that becomes a big deal when you got someone who looks like you can get you there, and uh, and the fucking owners don't want to pay. Which again, we're talking about it. I mean, it's bullshit across the board. Nobody wants to. Uh, Nobody wants to pay anybody, especially not the, um, especially not in combat sports. You talk about wrestling and like, oh, is it a sport? Whatever. And then 
UFC blows it out of the water when you look at how much <laughs> that the fucking the fighters make compared to how much the money the company is is pulling in. It it is tough with the UFC right now because you almost you almost kind of get it because of just that they over leveraged the buyout and just how much how much money UFC needs just to service the debt um and pay their interest every year compared to it but it is fucking like laughable when you look at the numbers and and you've got why did it take so long to get Jones back oh because they didn't want to give him the money and then you look at what he does here and it goes like okay well he's not, he's not worth it he wasn't worth the money you know this is a guy who sat out how fucking how long did he sit out recently like it, the last years? fight was like yeah last fight was like 3 years ago and this is an important 3 years for a fighter this is not you know, it, 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 like John, like this is not like John Jones is not like a spring chicken anymore. Yeah, like this is this, three years. That... Yeah, this like and like and like that shit matters. Like not yeah. like three years not doing anything and to come back and doing it, even if he was constantly training and staying in shape. Like that shit, that shit matters. Yeah, you got a guy who's at his prime drawing age, who's just basically doing nothing but falling apart physically because that's what happens when you get old no matter how hard you train and you're going to give him a three-year layoff over money i mean you know this is not to defend jones as a person because obviously we all know he's a piece of shit but you know immensely charismatic like just has it and on top of that just a freak when it comes to fights and you know comes from the athletic family and, and football players and all that and like was a football player himself and then like decided to get into fighting because he just was like, oh, I can do this. And then somehow had this aptitude for it. That's fucking again, freakish. And as you said, like the conversation feels like it's over and maybe we sound like some of these people reviewing uh AEW revolution just with the hyper bowl, but, uh, it's, but, but it's not, it's just not like it's and like, you know, like obviously like sports are constantly evolving and changing and, Whatever, but just with my with my own two eyes, like with the eyes that I've been using to watch MMA since I was seven or eight years old, I've never just <laughs> been in constant awe in some of someone the way I'm in constant awe of him when he fights. Yeah, like it's yeah. just and like like the closest thing is probably like Khabib and like I really and I and I really like GSP, but like Khabib and like some of the stuff he was doing versus like versus like Justin Gaethje is like. Maybe like the closest thing to it, but nah, it's it's Jones to come back and do what he did just now in a different way, in a different weight class. When we're looking at his body type and how lanky and skinny he was, and how he's looking, it's like, oh, is this really gonna is this really gonna work at heavyweight? And it worked like 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 easy, like like it was like a hot knife through butter, like it worked it worked that it worked that well. So yeah, it's probably like. Khabib for me in just in terms of runs that I saw and the awe that someone left me in, but it's, it's, it's Jones clear number one for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. Um, Anything else on, on all that before we move on? No, I think, I think, I think we're good if we're, if we're going to start talking about AEW now. Um, AEW, what are you talking about? We're going to talk about the number one pay-per-view company in the history of wrestling, Stardom Triangle Derby Final. Oh, um, oh, you know, oh, you know, we could do, we could do a whole uh, bloodline uh, oh, story yes. story uh, recap. We could do oh. that. Well, like I said, tons of stuff happened. I feel like most of it is getting talked about at levels of of deserving, like 
Saber, Ray and Clancy, Miracle Gen versus Violence is Forever. Um, you know, the the stuff from the the Noah, the Muda's final bye-bye, All-Star Junior Festival had some decent stuff in there. Dragon Gate Champion Gate. I don't know if you've watched any of it, but there's a couple decent matches on there worth watching. Um, but the one thing I wanted to call out that I think like nobody's nobody talks about all right uh dpw violence is forever defended in the tag team titles against uh msp and uh rise above great match highly recommend it three-way tag match really good um lucky ali colby carino in like a they called it a carolina warfare match career versus title match it was fucking amazing fantastic um I think I tweeted kind of a joke saying like, uh, you know, if, if the Texas death match is like half as good as this, then it's going to be a great pay-per-view or whatever. And obviously that ended up being fantastic, but really, really good. Definitely worth uh, people going and checking out. And then a similar kind of anything goes fight uh, between Bear Bronson and Bobby Orlando. Um, I think if you're a promotion that's still booking Bobby Orlando as just like a comedy character against other comedy characters, you're really missing the boat on one of the kind of underground bubbling up ready to break out top baby faces on the u.s indies right now bobby orlando is insanely over he's proving that he can get over against everyone all right in any promotion he can get over and um that he can wrestle serious ass matches like this bear Bronson looked fantastic too. Like I think Bronson that he should be getting a look at in AEW. They should be bringing him back. He's gotten in really good shape and he looked fantastic. But I mean, this match just absolutely fucking knocked it out of the park. It was violent. It was fucking wild, crazy. Obviously these guys train together, so they know each other really well. So they're willing to hit each other insanely hard and just bring it out. But just cathartic fucking brutal brawl with a, insanely over baby face a keel that can what just came across like a monster beast who's just out of control unhinged violent and dangerous i mean highly recommend it um quentin if you have any thoughts or any matches you know that we've missed over the over the past couple weeks that you wanted to shout out before we talk about AEW. uh no just if you haven't seen astronauts versus crate versus crazy lovers then you guys should watch it then you guys should watch that uh, from the Big Japan um, Tag League, from the, yeah, they had, definitely happened last month. That match happened last month. Well, at least my favorite tag match that's happened so far this year. But I really, I really, I really love that. If you want to see the astronauts doing something different and de- and delving more into the deathmatch world, then I would say check it out. It's, that match is a ton of fun. Nice, nice. All right. I have to check that out. There was um that was another one. It was Abe in the on the junior festival in the opening dark match or whatever that was like just knockout great. It was maybe the best match on the show was the dark match or whatever. So checking out the astronauts there in a different setting is probably worth worth looking at. Um AEW. So we were going to last week we were gonna do uh you know catch up and, and preview for the pay-per-view. So let's go ahead and we'll talk about the past three months of, of AEW Dynamite and Rampage, and then we'll give our thoughts on what the pay-per-view is going to look like and then review the pay-per-view. Sound good? Um, I mean, I want to stop there. I feel like we could, I feel like we could just do the last four months, really. Sure. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, it's been a while since we've talked about AEW. Um, yeah. 
Now, going into the pay-per-view, what were you thinking? Because I was down on the build. This was the like kind of the lower hype I've been on a pay-per-view in a bit for AEW. I wasn't that excited. Um, did you go into it excited? What were you thinking? Because we haven't even talked about that. Oh, yeah, I wasn't really into the build. Um, like, there's been good stuff in AEW, right? Like, like, as far as, like, the TV, it's been good. But, like, that's, like, really from, like, a match quality perspective. Like, letting Brian Danielson go out there and have 15 minutes on Dynamite every week is just, you know, like, you're really, like, that's, that's, that's great. Like, that's just, that's just, that's just great. I'm going to enjoy that. I'm going to enjoy that every single time we get that. Or... I'm going to enjoy whenever we get like another Samoa Joe and Darby Allen match. Like, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to enjoy that. But in terms of actually building anything, no, not really. Cause like this, the MJ, MJF thing has been weird. Uh, it's been kind of, yeah. it's been kind of, it's been kind of strange. I don't really know what they're doing with this. Um, and then when you like, if you, if you're like paying attention to all the other outside factors, like this looming thing of weight is, punk coming back and that kind of have like this looming figure over the co- over the company because it just seems like more and more there's more smoke to the fact that punk is coming back so you know, you're, you're you're interested in that and then for some reason they take the belts off the acclaimed and put it on the gun club and the gun club have improved over a lot over the over, over the last couple of years but that's a weird thing and now and now with uh, you know, spoiler alert, FTR coming back on the show makes you wonder if that was, like, a thing because they didn't want to put FTR and Acclaim together because Acclaim might get cheered more? Like, I don't... Like, <laughs> I, I mean... I don't, I don't know! <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. I would definitely... I, I definitely see why you would say that. You, you know, so, like, I don't... So, I don't... So, I don't know. It's... It's weird. It feels weird to like say that in isolate in isolated episodes, the dynamites the dynamites have been really great. It's been really, really good wrestling on all these episodes, but it didn't do much in terms of making me interested about the show. Yeah, and I think a big part of that is the what you talked about there with uh, MJF. And I think that a big I think an, a a major issue with the MJF thing and it was something that i didn't think about until late late on is that like i i honestly kind of believe that a large part of the issue with with mjf and and danielson kind of promo and mjf building to it is that like in a lot of ways the mjf kind of character and the way he presents it is in some ways true where I do think that the reason why MJF and punk works is that MJF really wants to be punk and everything that he says and the way that he is obsessed with punk, all that shit is real, but like he does not want to be Danielson. Like, and I think that that's, what's tough for him is that his character is trying to present this like kind of, almost paper tiger who talks bigger than he is and is faking it and all this stuff. But at the core, like he does not, he is not really jealous of Brian Danielson and he does not really want to be the same kind of wrestler that Danielson is. And so I think that that just affects his ability to buy into the, like actually telling that story honestly. 
Um, and you know, maybe I'm wrong there, but I just feel like that's a big part of like what throws it off. So I think the entire time he was like trying to figure out his motivation and trying to make the promos and the stories work. And it just did not have a focus point because he does not authentically feel the way that he put it. And the match ended up delivering, I thought a lot better than I was expecting. Um, but that's also because like, you know, Iron Man matches are bad. That's like one of the craziest parts about this show is that like the two biggest matches on the show and possibly I'd probably say the two best matches on the show are two stipulations that I have always said I think are bad wrestling stipulations that usually produce bad matches. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. Like, again, maybe it's like trying to read too much into it or seeing whatever. But I just I felt like MJF is really good at focusing and telling a story when it's authentic. Um. And unfortunately, I don't think he could be authentic in, you know, just being honest about how he feels about Danielson. Because I mean, I mean, I mean, like, I think I'm, I think uh, does he gravitate more towards a punk type wrestler? I think so. But MJF through it all is a fucking wrestling nerd. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, so... I think he appreciates how gr- that Danielson is a great wrestler, but I don't think that he's jealous of Danielson. Right. You know what I, I mean? Right. But I'm with but I'm with you that but I'm with you there that like it doesn't feel like as deeply rooted as the punk thing. Well, for obvious reasons, because punk was was it was legit his favorite wrestler. So that like so like it's not so it's, it's not gonna feel as deeply rooted, but it feels like they could have gone a different route with it. I honestly, even though MJF is the MJF's whole character alignment and everything is still really weird and odd with how with how they do things, but I feel like the story to me and I'm like they I thought they kind of hinted at it at, at some points is like will be Brian kind of looking down on him, right? I feel like that'll be the thing. It's like like what kid, like like kids like kids you don't like kids you don't have the balls you can't do this like the things that I do. Like you literally can't do. You don't have it in you. Like you don't have it in you to do. Which is the story? Which is the point of MJF going seventy minutes or damn near seventy minutes with Danielson to prove that he can wrestle, to prove that he can do whatever. But I felt like if that was the case and the story they were trying to tell, like I felt like Brian should have been taking a more commanding role in that case. But again, MJF's role in the company is really odd right now. <laughs> Yeah, and the reason why it comes back to it, and you know, I I won't say contentious, but I did have like a tweet back and forth with a you know friend of the podcast Rovert about like the idea that MJF should have turned he should have turned face when the crowd wanted him to turn face, and this program and this match I think shows it. Why? Because from the beginning I said like if MJF had gone face, oh okay, like where are the heels? Who's 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 a heated up heel ready to feud with MJF? And it's like. The entire Blackpool Combat Club. They were all poised to turn heel. And if Blackpool Combat Club had turned heel, a lot of the stuff that even happened on this pay-per-view would have made more sense. Moxley wrestled like a heel in the match against Paige and the setup with Paige, everything. They should have just been heels. And Danielson working heel here, being domineering, and like you said, belittling, looking down on MJF coming into this, saying, talking shit, and, and also wanting to get vengeance for what, MJF did to Regal, all of that. Like, if they had done that based around MJF as the babyface and Brian as the heel, I think we would have had a much more cohesive story and you would have actually kind of been able to make this make more sense. 
I thought honestly that the booking and everything that happens in the main event is kind of convoluted. And the way that we got here was convoluted and, and we ended up with like kind of a mess and it's fucking crazy making because I'm hearing people acting like this is universally praised as the greatest pay-per-view of all time. And I just think it's like, it's nutty because yeah, it was good in ring and it was exciting. And I'm sure that being in the building was probably tons of fun and really into it. But like the only thing coming out of this show that I would say was like a special match that is like worth is something that's like worthwhile and something unique was just the Texas death match. And like everything else was good, fine. Okay. But like at the same level as pretty much anything else, like not necessarily anything particularly special. And that's, that was the only match that really felt like something special, but either way, like we should talk about the show, I guess. I don't know. What do you want to, what do you want to, do you have any other thoughts? Oh yeah, no, I think I'm think I'm think I think uh I'm good to talk about the rest of the show. Yeah. I don't know if you want to do like beginning, top to top to talk matches, uh top to uh talk to top matches, whatever you want to do with this. I thought about that and like maybe starting doing like start at the at the main event and work backwards, but then I thought about it and I'm like ah, rest, the wrestling shows kind of build on themselves and the way that AEW is booked, it's not like it's not like a UFC or something where like it just goes from the bottom to the top and, and it completely makes sense. Like it does kind of jump around a little bit. They do a pretty good job of like it being booked, but there's clearly ebbs and flows. So I want to start from the beginning and, and work up. Did you watch any of the pre-show? There was of like course. one match and a of lot course. of segments. Of course I did not. Okay. They had RJ city on the pre-show. A lot of people were divisive about it. I liked it. Um, oh, speaking of, are you caught up on Hey EW? Have you been watching it recently? No, hey, is one of those things where I'll just like dedicate like 40 minutes to binging it. Yeah. And I've not done that recently. Yeah, I did it. I did it recently because I wanted to be caught up before the pay-per-view. And a recent one was Action Andretti. Um, And it was funny because I think I want to say that I think it was like one of the people from the the PW Torch East Coast cast, but I'm not 100% sure that it was. But someone tweeted, they did the quote tweet on the Black History Month poster from AEW where they got like, here's all the black wrestlers, right? And they quote tweeted and said, this is how I found out that Axon Andretti isn't a brother, right? Which I thought was funny, but like, whatever. So, you know, then I was like, oh, okay, I guess he's not. I kind of accepted that. On the AEW with Action Andretti, uh rj city directly asks him if he's black and he says he's half black so really is half black yeah action andretti is half black and it's weird that they didn't put him on the poster for the black history month so just i did not know that (laughs) yeah i didn't know it either until i saw that but yeah he said like he said yeah people i guess people can like say think because of my features or whatever blah 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 because I thought, like, maybe, you know, I don't know, whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, he's half black. And for some reason, he was not put on the poster. But, you know, it is what it is. It does play into, I guess, the first match on the actual pay-per-view. Chris Jericho versus Ricky Starks, because Andretti does come out in the middle of the match. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the match is good. I, I thought it was actually executed really well. Ricky Starks looked great. I loved the counter of the Judas effect, all that stuff. I thought that they... You know, these two make sense together. Ricky Starks is, you know, he's a Jericho kind of wrestler in that 
Like, I love Ricky, and I actually think he's really good, but he clearly wants to be a sports entertainer. That's why, like, the WWE thing and, and the, the Cody Rhodes thing really does make sense. I think Ricky would be stupid to try to go to WWE because I don't think he'll have the career in WWE that he can have in an AEW, but he comes across like the kind of guy who clearly wants to do that, right? Um, But I did want to talk about the Chris Jericho clout vampire conversation that people try to argue and disprove and use this match and use pay-per-view matches as the argument for look at how much this guy loses on pay-per-views oh, 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 oh wait oh, wait wait hold on hold on hold on hold on no 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 are there people that actually try to argue that chris jericho losing makes yes. like granted like yeah he's been putting over people like eddie kingston and ricky starks lately like there's no denying that put over him you know i look man no man yes he's a fucking clout vampire he does right. this all the time like the fuck are you talking about he like routinely <laughs> dominates the promo segments like and i get yes. it he's a rating he's a ratings draw so i can't even say that that's a wrong it's a wrong thing but he latches himself on to whatever the hottest actors in the company. It's not like he's picking someone out and like, I think this guy will be a star and deciding to give him a rub. Eddie Kingston was already hot. Ricky Starks was already right. hot. Like yes. it wasn't, it wasn't Chris Jericho being so kind enough as to reach out to this guy that was struggling to get over. Give me a fucking break. Like, like, like you, I guess I don't, I don't under, I don't understand that at all. So if anyone's actually saying that or arguing that, I don't understand how it can have what like what it can, what can be done to make it any more clear. I I truly don't understand. Like right. yes, he loses because he should fucking lose. Because he should fucking right. lose. He should lose. At this point, that doesn't mean that he's not that he doesn't try to attach himself to whatever the next hottest act is in AEW. He absolutely does that. <laughs> constantly does that he siphons off of the top most over people i mean you could argue oh he's a heel he should want You're to muted, by the way. baby faces oh no i don't think i am That's oh shit no you're not because i was not muted i guess maybe maybe you oh just can't shit. Hear me. my speak know. my speaker cut out but yeah <laughs> um either way um yeah like obviously he uh you could argue, oh, he's he's a heel. He should want to work with over baby faces, blah, blah, blah. You could also argue Action Andretti, he picked out of, you know, out of nowhere and put him over or whatever. But it's kind of like, oh, what, what did he, how much did he really put him over this and that? Whatever. Like, I agree with you. I'm just kind of steel manning the counter argument against those points there. But here's the argument that I think a lot of people overlook. And it's an argument that I picked up years and years ago from a man who I definitely respect when it comes to political brain power and when it comes to clout vampirism because he studied under the learning tree of some of the best clout vampers of all time in the click um and that is xbox and i recall a uh, xbox shoot interview where he explained that uh whenever they would book anything he would always be like yeah yeah let's set up the program let's you know we'll do whatever you know all you know as the heel i'll beat the guy to set up the program blah, blah, blah. i'll beat the guy a couple times on tv and then I'll lose on the pay-per-view. And meanwhile, the reason why he would always do that and the reason why Chris Jericho always loses on pay-per-view is because more people watch TV than pay-per-view. You get a million viewers on television and you get oh. 100,000 people buying the pay-per-view. So Chris Jericho, if you look at Chris Jericho's win percentage, you go, oh, you know, he loses, wins, whatever. He's got a little bit 
higher win percentage for the past couple of years, you know, but it's not crazy and he definitely loses. Now you take that same win percentage and you take a look at it based solely on television and exclude pay-per-views and it goes through the fucking roof. He does very minimal jobs on TV and he does most of his jobs on pay-per-view because just like I said, just like X-Pac who learned from the fucking click, he understands if I beat these guys multiple times on TV in front of a million people, it doesn't matter how many times I lose to them in front of 100,000 people. More people see him win. More people see him constantly winning. Like that's even overlooking, like you said, on television when it comes to the promo segments. More people see him constantly getting the heat in the beatdowns. More people see him domineering on the promo segments, controlling the promos. The fact that he's a fucking guest commentator all over the YouTube and on Dynamite and everywhere. This guy is clearly putting himself over more than anyone else constantly. And he's picking his spots and then giving the token losses when they don't count as much. And if you don't understand that, you really just are like a fucking a brain dead moron who just goes like, oh, he, he lost on the big show. And that's when the blow off is. And that's the important story. You're you're adult if you think that what really matters is losing on the pay-per-view. No, like what really matters is winning on TV where more people are watching. More people see Chris Jericho win than see him lose. Like that is what he does and he's doing it on purpose. You can just fucking watch the booking and see. He wins more on TV than he does on pay-per-view. It's just, I, you know, whatever. I guess Chris Jericho is not a clout vampire. Chris Jericho is actually one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Whatever. And, and, and like, if you and, 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 and if you and if you want to say like, I will get to we'll get to this. And if you want to say like anything about Jericho, it's like okay, cool. Like the one time in which the opposite wasn't true is that he beat MJF on the pay per view, and then MJF got the last laugh with uh uh whatever the fuck they call their cage match their their cage match gimmick, Blood like guts or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, like. That, other than that, that's the only time where it's ever been the opposite. Yeah, exactly. And that's with, you know, MJF, who, for whatever you could say, like, that's a guy that clearly they were building for the top spot. But no, I, th- I thought the, I thought the match itself was solid. Like, Ricky and Christian, Ricky and Jericho match up really well. So um, I thought it was solid. I thought they had a really had a really solid pace. I know people were worried coming into it because the, the graphic changed and it went from saying nobody allowed at ringside to saying uh no jes a lot of jas a lot of ringside and people were thinking that maybe that can mean action and uh turning and joining the jas which didn't happen i'm not saying that no not uh, not still not ruling out that it could that it could still happen but at least didn't happen on this show so i'll so i i enjoy that and that is a good win for ricky and we'll see if he has to give jericho his Win back or anything or, or anything like that, but it's a good it's good for Ricky and hopefully this is a like we'll start to see him get put in the another big program at least a, or another nice program after after this because I don't want to see Ricky cool off. I think that he's been doing really well with this baby with his baby face work, and yeah. I want to see him continue to get shots here. Yeah, and there is a conversation to have about title challengers and i think ricky is going to be in that conversation but i think that we'll have it later on um on the show on the podcast uh final burial jack perry jungle boy versus christian cage um this is a basically like a weird casket match with a hybrid buried alive thing but whatever um what did you think of the match quentin so 
I did not know that this was going to be a casket match. So as I'm watching this, as I'm watching the show, and it's, it's explained to me this is like basically, basically a casket match. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? I was extremely yeah, yeah, yeah. confused and didn't understand how we got here. So other than the initial confusion of why are Jack Perry and Christian having a having a casket match? I thought this was really solid, man. I like this a lot. Uh, like it was, it was it surprised it surprised me how much how much I enjoyed this. This Christian when he when he has been in the ring, he hasn't been wrestling that much. You know, he was in he was injured and everything. Like, but when Christian's been in the ring for the most part in his AEW run, I've enjoyed most of his stuff. I thought he's had a really solid run, and Jungle Boy continues to be really consistent here. I know that he still doesn't get a ton of support from certain people, but the dude's proven that he's good, man. He's solid. I feel like he's worthy of whatever push he winds up getting, but the dude is good. The dude has stepped up in all in all the spots they put him in. And this is no different. Love the love the pace and intense and intensity there and calling and calling back to the, you know, like the jungle boy snapped moments like he had versus the young bucks and stuff. So I like I like this. It was weird that there was a casket match, but I did like the theatrics of him slamming the casket shut and it like kind of like slamming down into like yeah. the dirt pit. Like I like I, I like the visuals of that. But I thought this was cool. Yeah, hey, I thought that was insanely neat. I loved that. Yeah, I thought the the payoff was perfect. I thought the pacing of the match was great and the way that it went. I like I really really love this and I'm just like god like the 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 kind of extra gimmicky matches are are the stuff that I'm really enjoying on this show the most. Um but I don't know just a lot of the actual just like straight up wrestling matches were a little were to me were like a little either spotty or or just kind of like you know mundane and this was like at least something unique. Um so I'm not sure. I thought the drama was great. It's weird. They like they really they really missed the button on a lot of things here this i think this show is happening like on the anniversary of fucking luke perry's death and they didn't even mention that um like you said coming into the show you don't even know like that uh that this is a casket match it's like that's a major like kind of a throw off like there's a lot of stuff here that just felt kind of like whatever and it's weird because this program's been going so long that you think you could have like made this more solid but this is another one too, where I think we need to have a conversation about like challengers for MJF coming out of here. And the fact that they turned it into a casket match is kind of confusing for me because Christian just got back from injury. I don't think that you lose a casket match and then just show right back up on TV. Right. Like you should take some time off. So it's like, okay, yeah, is Christian going to just come right back on TV or what's he going to do next? And then on top of that, like you kind of need Christian because he's, I don't know, your number two heel in the entire company, probably. Like, I can't really think of too many other heels that they have that are super strong. Yeah, that, like, they're not, like, that are ready. Like, like Swerve isn't ready yet. Yeah. So, so like, I mean, I mean, unless you want to fall back on Jericho, which... Sure, I mean, I don't even know, like... It's, it's weird, because MJF feels weird, so it even feels crazy to say he's the top heel. And I like, almost I mean, might even I'm, say Christian I'm, is the top heel in the company. Go ahead. Do you think maybe we finally like not not after this? We think we finally get Mox turning heel after this after this Hangman because that was like that's been like a long rumored thing. So you think maybe right. we finally get Mox turning heel? 
I think probably you need it. I think, yeah, because you don't have a lot of heels and you need, you got a ton of baby faces who feel like they're ready for the top spot, but like not everyone can feud with MJF at the same time. So you need other heels to keep them fresh. Right. So it is kind of like, yeah, like who else do you got? You got, you got Joe who takes you, a loss you, here, you, but yeah, he's still you, got a title. You, you do, you do solve, you do solve some problems by having, but by having Moxley and Claudio turn heel, you do solve some problems. Yeah, yeah, and Danielson even too. I don't think that they want to turn Danielson, but I think that the entire group would be fresher if they were all heels. And I think it'd be tough. It'd be tough to keep Danielson heel, but I think that uh, you know. yeah, uh, that, like that one's that one's tough. But if you 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 can turn John like John and Claudio, and I feel like that like solves basically a lot of these problems. Yeah, for sure. Um. But yeah, we can continue to talk about the heel face alignment as we move on, especially moving on to this next match, because I think we free up some people to do some different stuff. And we've also got trios champions who I think can can eat up some of your some of your card pretty well. We've got the the elite Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks taking on the House of Black, uh, you know, Buddy Matthews, Malachi Black and Brody King. Um for for what this was, this was fucking phenomenal. I think early on, as things were going, I kind of thought that Brody King was bumping and selling a little bit too much. But then as the match progressed and developed, they clearly he was a big focus on the match. And then really coming out of it felt like the the focus of the match. It it felt like it felt like coming out of this match, the point of this was to get over Brody King and to a lesser extent Julia Hart as the the uh the house of black kind of stars. I mean, it's kind of crazy to say that, but it and it also really does make sense because with Malachi and Buddy and their little fucking hissy fit and the stuff that they did, like I would want I would want to put my focus on the people who you know, who are actually down for the company and sticking around and you didn't have to fucking fight with and pull teeth to have them here to put the trios titles on. So, you know, whatever, but yeah, I loved Love the opening interaction with Kenny and and Buddy. I thought that that was really smart and a good way to just kind of get that out of the way. I loved Kenny's facials throughout this match. I mean, people have fucking hated on Kenny for so long and cartoon character and all this goofiness. But like in this in this setting, I don't know. There's just something to some of the facials and some of the stuff he does that I just I thought was perfect. When he starts up and he's matching up with um with Buddy and. The way that he's looking at Buddy's chest, because it's like these two guys have been compared to each other so much. And then you look at Kenny now and he's not as, you know, he's not as roid maxed as he's been in the past. While Buddy is just fucking peeking to the to the to the hilt. And the way that he's like, you could tell he's like really impressed looking at his physique. He's like, damn, did I used to look like that? Um, I just I love that facial feature um, and then their interaction. And then Malachi comes in. And one thing that crossed my mind that was kind of interesting is like Malachi and Buddy next to each other. Malachi's not much taller than Buddy Mur- Buddy Murphy, but um he's always felt like a heavyweight, right? Like it like it's so weird the way that is where like even though he's not as built, he doesn't have as much muscle on him and he's only a little bit taller. But like there's been times where Murphy felt like a, a cruiserweight, junior heavyweight, whatever. But Malachi has always felt like a heavyweight has never wrestled or felt like a a junior heavyweight, which I just find very odd. And then obviously you got Brody King as the big beast of the team. So it's, it's nice the way they've got that set up where it's like, it's, it's a clear delineation. You've got like a junior tipping the scale junior. You've got a clear 
heavyweight and a super heavyweight. Um, and I love that. I love when, when Matt gets in and he points to Brody and he wants Brody. And the thing that crosses my mind is like, oh yeah, like Brody, <laughs> this is a stupid thing, but Brody's still PWG tag team champion. So Matt is like, I want that motherfucker. Cause he's got my belt. And uh, that's what, that's what pops in my head. You know what I mean? Like he wants to get the guy who's still got one of his, like his championship. So I just, I don't know, like, that's just me, but I think about that. Um, but yeah, love the drama, love the spots, obviously, the way that things go. The, so many moving parts. Julia Hart getting involved in, on the apron. And the way when Kenny knees Julia off the apron and into the crowd, the face and the way that he looked at her, like, I don't know why, but just the reaction to me is just like, he looks like he's just like, nah, you know, whatever, don't care. Just just really dismissive towards her and in general. And I just thought that that was fucking great. Um, finish, I thought was perfect. Like, yeah, I... I I really, really enjoyed this match. But as I said, like, people are going nutty for this. But I don't know. Have we not seen enough of these kind of matches to not realize that, like, you're not going to remember this match in a month. You're not going to remember this match in a couple weeks. Like, I'm sorry. Like, these matches are fun and there's a lot to it. And it's great. And it's impressive and all that stuff. But, like, they just they just don't stick with you. No matter how good this kind of match is and this kind of yeah like i'm like i'm like and i'm fine with that yeah like i just also wouldn't want people to just pretend that it's otherwise you know what i mean like i'm like how many trios how many trios elite matches have we seen this year and i'm not complaining because i've enjoyed every single one that i've seen you know i enjoyed all the ones in the tournament i enjoyed all that i enjoyed all that stuff i enjoyed i enjoyed the loot the uh death 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 triangle uh Best uh, best of series, I en- I enjoy that. I enjoyed this, but like, there hasn't really been a ton of like story continuation with what with, with with any of this. It's been a lot of spot, which, which is good, and I'm not mad at that. And this isn't like a Kenny or the Bucks, whoever doesn't like don't tell stories because this is definitely isn't the, isn't the podcast that like says anything like that, but. You know, like these these have been fun matches, man. Like from Aussie Open to Death Triangle to the Best Friends to all this, like we've seen all of it this year. And maybe you can say the Elite as a six man is the is, was the like you know we're like we're the best group from last from last year or this year, like whatever you want to say. Like, but you know, I'm not gonna remember any of these. They are just like really fun crowd-pleasing matches. Well, I don't think there's any problem with that, but I think, for me, if, like, people pretended otherwise, then it would get a little weird, because, like, yeah, what's what differentiates this from also for, for not Aussie, but, like, Death Triangle versus yeah. the Elite match four? Like, what what makes this any different? Yeah, or the, like, you're you're saying they're Aussie up in the, um, the, the, oh, God, the United Kingdom kind of match, or whatever, you know, like, yeah, like, and, and that's the crazy thing, because I, hear people giving this five stars and you know i'm just like i don't know like if, if you know that a match is going to just pour through you and you're not going to remember it in a week like i don't know how you can give something like that five stars i really don't like no matter how good it is like and how impressive everything is athletically i just i can't give five stars to something that i know is just going to have no real impact a week from now two weeks from now you know like i just i don't know that's just me but uh 
Either way, I thought that right, I thought right finish, right booking, crowd goes crazy. I think this is perfect. And as I talked about, now we can go to kind of resetting the Young Bucks as a tag team. And maybe Kenny Omega. I I think, you know, my booking, I think Kenny Omega should probably be the next pay-per-view challenger for the title. Um, I'll explain that maybe more later. Um, but uh, but yeah, and there is some more too, because like I was just watching, I just saw, you know, bits and pieces of dynamite tonight as i'm like walking the dogs and getting food ready and setting up to record and and ftr cut their promo coming back and it sounded like what i heard they're like now we need to win the you know the AEW tag team titles and the way that they were presenting it it sounded like they were saying like winning it for the first time right and like i just i think they're like retconning that the ftr won those titles before what and, what I, i'm not i'm not mad yeah. at it i'm not mad at that like no i'm and I'm setting up to, with that, yeah, yeah, to do that, and then to set up to to rematch the Bucks and FTR now, you know, with the titles and make that. So I just think that's probably where we end up going. And I'm not, again, like you said, not mad at it because this is a match that feels like it should have been able to do something, and we just at the time weren't able to. The couple of times that we got it, and now it feels like we're probably ready to actually do something with it. Coming off of the year that FTR had last year. And where the young bucks are, we can actually like get what we thought we could get out of this match. Um, speaking of matches, <laughs> we wait, wait, hold on. Before, before we move on with that, yeah. So they drop the so the elite drops the belts here. You did mention that you think it's time to move towards FTR in the elite for the SAG titles. Do you think there's any any smoke to the idea that the elite are leaving and that Punk is coming back, or do you do do you think that Punk is coming back and they're gonna stay and that they're just gonna work whatever out? Do you think Punk's not coming back at all? But there's seems the thing like okay, people like have this like like at least like I've seen people like Punk is Punk is coming back to some to some people so. Are you, are you putting any stock into that? Yes. I think that there's a chance that we'll see Punk coming back. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that means that the Elite is leaving. It feels weird to me, the idea that they would go, especially to the WWE. I just... With the way things have been going lately the teases and the rumors of all this stuff. And a lot of it like has been staying in the favor of AEW. I think, especially with, you know, mustached Vince showing up backstage um, that people are just like real shaky about the idea of WWE selling about the idea of Vince being in control. Again, the idea that you can just like, Oh, let's just pop over to WWE. It'll be great. I don't think that that's necessarily where it was at even just a few months ago. Um, so yeah, I, but I do, I think that there's some smoke that punk's coming back. I really do. And it's fucking crazy based on the story that just recently came out. Thanks to, you know, thanks to the fight game media discord, um, that like, it was bigger than even what most of us thought and what most people were saying about what was going on backstage, uh, which is fucking nuts because if that story is true, which is like seemingly is um, the idea that you would bring punk back is kind of crazy, especially because 
Well, well what's the story? For, for those that don't, might not know, what is the story? Okay. That was uh, that was on there, obviously. Not saying it's true, but like what the story that was on Right, there. right. So the story that's going around now is that basically MJF should have won the title from Hangman, but Punk said that there was no chance that he was going to lose to Hank to Hangman because of you know the workers' rights promo, whatever. And he was so pissed off that he refused the job. He was supposed to lose to Hangman, um, which obviously would have changed everything a lot about Hangman's uh, you know title reign. And um, that after that, they spent like you know a weekend or whatever booking everything out to come up with a way between Tony Khan and Punk to come up with a way for Punk to win the title to go through the summer and to build to MJF beating Punk for the championship um, in a way that didn't involve Hangman at all because Punk, you know, was going to beat him and then refused to interact with him again after that. Um, and obviously everything turned out the way that it did. So whatever ideas they came up with, which I think probably would have been, you know, fine, whatever uh, did not come to fruition, but yeah. So the idea that, that Punk refused to do business and forced him to change everything and the fact that tony khan went along with it the idea that now after everything that he would bring him back um is just it's mind-boggling to me because it's like dude you fucking dodged a bullet on this almost this guy tried to he's tried to ruin everything and he's repeatedly trying to ruin your fucking thing over some pet the pettiest of bullshit and it's just it's tough because it does really feel like it comes down to the fact that Tony Khan just has heart eyes for punk and he's never going to not have them. So, and that's why it's kind of funny because, you know, they talk about like Raven and Paul Heyman um, and uh, you know, like Vince and, uh, and the million dollar man that there's these, these characters and these wrestlers that bookers, you know, work with really well because they see themselves in the, in the character. Um, MJF is the TK stand in because just like Tony Khan, MJF is in love with punk. Like Tony Khan is also in love with punk in the same way. So that's why they're like the same guy. Um, we talked about that earlier on the podcast. So yeah, like I just can't imagine bringing him back in this fucking context, especially cause like there is not really proof that, I mean, yes, punk, the metrics were up, but there's not really much that you can point to to say for sure that punk is the reason why like, everything was as strong as it was before. But either way, um, what do you think, Quentin? I'd love to hear your thoughts on like the elite leaving and punk coming back. Cause you did bring it up. Um, I don't know. Like I do think that for as long as the bloodline stays together, which I'm not sure how much longer they're going to do that, that there is definitely a big market for Kenny Omega in the Bucks versus the Bloodline, I feel like that would be like the main thing. And then Cody's there, obviously, so you could do that. If we, if, you know, if we, if they, if they got AJ and and Randy back, there's plenty for Kenny. There's, there's plenty for Kenny to do on that on, on in terms of that side of things. The people it wouldn't make much sense for would be the Bucks, but if the Bucks are fine, like we've already accomplished whatever we've done all these things, all these different match of the years, accomplishments, made all the money in the world, this and that. Let's just do something that's going to be easier on our bodies 
and ride out the rest of our careers here, like that wouldn't also be the most shocking thing in the world to me. Going off of what you're saying, though, with Punk in that story, that's the thing if Punk comes back is because unless that Hangman thing gets moved out, that's, I don't know, I guess they could just not work together, but that's still a pretty big issue. Like, I, I feel like... together. I mean, coming I, 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 out of this pay-per-view, yeah, like, that's like the thing. presented as a top guy. And, yeah, I know, that's the thing, is like, this is a, a top guy. He's probably gonna be like the challenger, whatever the next, whatever the next pay per view is. Like he is one. Of, he is one of those guys, and I don't really know how you could just keep them separated for so long. And hopefully, the best thing you can do is try to address the issue and smooth it over. But if this is Punk, who still is in rampage mode, hasn't cooled off yet then I don't know, but that'll be, for me, like, that'll be, like, the condition of coming back, it's like, fuck the elite, like, Hangman is gonna be a guy that we foresee being with us for 10 years or so. You, like, if you're gonna be, if you're gonna be with us, you gotta, like, figure that out. And if that's not, if that's not the case, like I said, what the fuck the elite and all that stuff, like, I feel like the Hangman thing is, like, a really big issue. Yeah, no, it's, it's the biggest issue because, like you said, I don't even think Hangman should be the next pay per view challenger, and that's because, you know, I've got bigger thoughts on the whole thing, um, which we can get into. One thing that did cross my mind coming out of this and coming into all the stuff that we're talking about here, swirling around, and coming into the return of FTR and and what happens on Dynamite, you know, whatever is okay. How much of this, you know, with FTR? bald as people like to call him i liked cut versus gut but whatever that's fine um dax uh dax the axe um how much of his working online and on his podcast and on twitter is obviously just a work and like that he's you know did come back here and that they've you know the report is they've signed a a long-term deal to stay and this and that like, is it all enough of a work to where an idea popped in my head that I think would would honestly be absolutely incredible if it's, a you know, playing off of working the internet with rumors and speculation and talking shit that we end up with the elite coming out of this, the elite feuding with FTR and MJF and like a, a mini pinnacle reunion kind of thing because Dax has been, you know, teasing on his podcast that, MJF, you know, and and him didn't get along and they didn't get along in the pinnacle because MJF was thought he was too good for the rest of the group and this and that. And if he's working, you know, doing these teases and rumor and innuendo like around that they're leaving the company just to come back, maybe the stuff talking shit about MJF is the same thing that he's just working something to to tease to them coming back together. And that would honestly be, I think, a lot of fun to spin off with the tag teams and the singles and doing trios and the whole the kind of feud between the groups I think would actually work out pretty good to, to build as the feud that, that goes through until the next pay-per-view. That's what I think, you know, I was, like I said, I was going to save this, but that's to me, that's what I think makes the most sense. Um, is that likely to happen? I don't know, but either way, I still think that we end up with those, those constellations at the next pay-per-view, which is Bucks and FTR and Omega and, uh, and MJF, but the crossover between the groups I think would make sense. Um, 
moving on to the women's match, <laughs> women's three-way match. A uh, phenomenal match, I thought. Like really, really good trio or uh, three-way match. Uh, Soraya stayed out of the way, hit her spots here and there. Looked looked good at times, physically better than she has. Um, Ruby and Hater are great together. Um, Ruby just obviously born to ragdoll. Hater, roughneck, fucking abusive, just violent fucking wrestler. Great stuff. Post-match angle, gimmick, whatever. To me, this is just a pit stop on the way to my bigger goal, which is that we end up with the women's blood and guts match. So that's all I care about coming out of it. But what are your thoughts, Quentin? I, yeah, I guess, look, you're right. Soraya just stay out of the way. So there's only so much I can do about, oh, so much you can neg- negatively you can say there. Man, how over is fucking Jamie Hayter? Like she might be the top baby face in the company. I mean, dude, like, who, who would have fu- who, who fucking thought that Jamie Hayter would get this over? Yeah, like just like when she first started. Like obviously, if you're familiar with Hayter, you know that she's a good, you know she's a good worker. But seeing her get to this is like, whoa! What like it's still kind of odd and just wild to see every time every time you see her come out. But she comes across like a star. She feels like a star. She feels like she just gets to like kind of like be herself now, which. I'm really, which I'm really glad to see. The Ruby and Jamie stuff was very good, and they got they have to use Soraya, so fine. I guess so, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but honestly, that's the positive of the post match angle. Sorry to interrupt. Finish what your thing. No, go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, no. Finish what you. That's the positive about the post match angle is you've now got Soraya with two much better workers in her group who can do the wrestling for her, right? So with Tony and Ruby, it's like, okay, Soraya does not need to wrestle. You know, like I was even saying, like, if we do get my dream, which is the women's blood and guts, which I feel like has more and more people are saying this. Many such cases uh, have been saying it. I've been saying this for a long time, and I feel like a lot of people are just now picking up on it. And it's really it's kind of grinding my gears a little bit either way. But uh, I was likening it to like Paul Ellering being in the, the war games matches where it's like the manager in the match if Soraya transitions more to being the manager of a of a group with tony and ruby like i'm into that so if we just continue to get into there and then eventually we get to the the blood and guts and soraya is paul ellering then i'm totally fine with that i think that works i think that works so i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not mad i'm not mad at that at all uh in it's a it's a it's a good change it's a, it's a good change of pain for Ruby for Ruby too. I think that she's done as much as she can with a, as as a baby face in this company for the time being. So this is, I think I think that's good. that's good that's good for her. And yeah, we'll see who like we'll, we'll see who they fill out uh, the baby face woman, woman side with. Yeah, because I mean, there's people who are kind of like, oh, Tony and Ruby, why do they need to turn heel? They're such great baby faces. They barely done anything, and it's like, well. What good's it going to do you to be a babyface right now when you've got Jamie, who, like we both said, is like the top fucking babyface, one of the top babyfaces in the company. So at best, you're going to be number two. So what what does it matter at that point? You might as well go heel. And that's another part of it that I think was weird because I heard some people kind of trying to do the like, oh, stupid, you know, stupid booking swerve for the case of swerve. Why did Ruby turn at the end after she wrestled the whole match? It's like because she was trying to win the championship. She thought she could win the title in this match. And then when when Hater kicked her ass, she realized, yeah, I can't beat her. I'm not going to be able to beat her. And what's my what's my choice to play second banana to her 
or to join with the people who are trying to take her down. I might as well join with them because then at least I got maybe a shot. We can work together to beat her. But otherwise, all I got to do is just be fucking play second fiddle to her. Right. So like to me, it made perfect sense. I think it's really weird when people don't understand like really just simple logic. Like like it's what it wasn't like, oh, she came into this match thinking I'm going to turn on Jamie. It's like, no, after she wrestled Jamie, she's like, yeah, I got no fucking chance. I'm not going to beat this bitch. She's fucking amazing. She's kicking my ass and the crowd absolutely loves her. Like my only chance is to team up with other people and then maybe we can work together to take her down. So, yeah, it's, you know, to me, that's like very obvious. Um, Mox Hangman already said to me, got to be match of the night. The only thing coming out of this that feels like something special. Uh, Quentin, what did you think? I really liked this, but I don't think I loved it as much as everyone else did. I thought this was really good. Um, and I think that the ending definitely, like, definitely takes definitely takes it up a notch. I loved how it felt like things escalated for sure. Like in terms of match structure, it felt like there was something constant to it. There was a constant level of violence, and they got to it, and they got to it immediately. And things felt like they escalated. It felt gritty and nasty the whole time. It didn't feel forced or overly gimmicky or whatever. And I really enjoyed all the things about it. And the finish was particularly really, really great. I'm not sure. Like, I'm not in, like, match of the year territory with it, though. Not quite. Like, I'm probably around, like, a four and a quarter, like a four and a quarter star if I had to put a star, if I had to put a star rating on it. Uh, so not quite as high on it as I've seen some people go. But I thought that was this was really, really good. And just as a hangman guy, um, and someone that does enjoy hangman and feels like just talent-wise in the ring, he's just as good as anybody. That I was really I was really glad to see him get this. And it felt like, okay, we are officially like building hangman back up as one of the tippy top guys in the company. It felt like a really big reestablishing point for him. And like I said, you feel like Kenny's the next challenger. I feel like if he, like I feel like maybe if if Kenny's the next challenger, then Hangman should be all out. You know, then I think that Hangman is in a really good place right now, and I love what this I love what this did for him. I feel like it's like a really establishing match for Hangman and his whole run in AEW. But I thought I thought this was really good. Again, not quite as high on it as everyone else is but i thought this was awesome yeah um i might be in the same range as you as star rating wise um i think it's interesting to compare this because at some moments i thought about basically being like moxley has done it again same as last year he set the tone um early in the year for like what you can do but really thinking about it comparatively um the busick the biff busick match last year in the in the blood sport context really was like doing the same level if not a higher level of brutality but being able to tone it down which is something that i always truly appreciate a lot more um is when you can do again the the same level or even more level of brutality violence um just physicality and you don't need all the bells and whistles and the pageantry um but that said you you talked about it and like they did a lot and they used a lot, but it really shows just how how deep 
the bag of tricks Moxley truly has because there was not much extra to this gimmick wise. There's a lot of barbed wire. There's bricks and a chain. And that was it. Like there's chairs, you know, a little bit of like boards and stuff. But he did not. There's not like glass, sawzall fire, none of that stuff. You know, ex- no ex- 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 excessive table stacking, kendo <laughs> yeah. sticks, like weed whacker. Nothing. There's, there's, like, there's, a, there's a fork. Like, yeah, we've still we're still barely kind of scratching the surface on how deep into the deathmatch, you know, bag Moxley can dig. So I kind of appreciate that because at one point I did think and people were saying, oh, it's going to be FMW. They're going to do explosions, all this and that. And at one point I kind of like, eh, maybe. But then I thought about it and I absolutely love this because a part of it, too, is like the old school nature of it. When you talk about Texas death and that's the part that I think is really funny because people like nitpick about the the details and the minutiae more than they like really understand the vibe. And the vibe of a Texas death match is barbed wire, right? Like Texas Deathmatch barbed wire that that goes together. That is how that works. And Moxley understood that. So like the people who are nitpicking like, oh, Texas Deathmatches, you get the pin and then they count the 10, right? Eh, you know, whatever. That's again, that's minutia. That's details. But the vibe of Texas Death is is brass knuckles, Texas Deathmatch, hardcore barbed wire. That's Texas Deathmatch. <laughs> like that is what it is. So they delivered that because the, the key feature of this match was barbed wire. And that's, again, Texas Deathmatch. So perfect. The bricks were great. The, were a great addition. The chain was great. The way that they used it, especially Moxley hitting the pile driver right on the pile of chain. I thought that was done so excellently. Um, blood was great. My my biggest drawback on the match is that I wish that, uh, that Hangman had bled a little bit more. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Moxley bled great, obviously. Um, yeah, just insane. But again, like I was, I was tempted to be like, okay, like you know, uh, Moxley sets the tone for violence and aggression early on in the year again, and and who can who can match it? But it's not. It's again, like you said, not quite there. And I'm not insane. But again, this is still to me the match that stands out the most as something special from the night and something that actually will be memorable at the end of the year. I think I will have it in my head when I'm talking about matches of the year. But that does not mean that it will be match of the year level um, or that it'll be the match of the year really at this point. But, but yeah, um, follow that up with the kind of, you know, the, the, the uh, bathroom break match, the unfortunate, you know, dead spot match, Joe versus Wardlow. Um, what, what really can you say? I mean, Joe is Joe. And I like, I, I liked it. Like, and I get that like it's easy to just not not really be super into it coming off coming off of that and everything. But I, th- I thought this was good. There's like two guys going out there and just like hitting each other fucking hard. And we know we're getting from Joe and Joe's been really awesome uh in 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 AEW, but like I've preferred the Joe and Darby stuff. I've preferred Joe in there with, with smaller guys, but he knows how to go in there and like shine up the shine up the bigger guys like a wardlow when their chemistry is pretty good so i thought Wardlow i thought wardlow looked awesome and this was a fun little hard-hitting thing but yeah it was well it was it was, it was i don't have like a ton to say about it it's a it's a tough spot 
It's a tough yeah. spot, and that's mostly what the issue is. The match itself was good, and the match, that's the, kind of the hard thing, is that the match, I can't even like pick it apart and say, like, oh, they should have done this, that, or the other. They, they delivered the match that you would expect. No, it's, 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 it's a hard just, spot. Every, every, yeah. like, when, like, going after the match that's designed to be, like, you know, like, we can, that's the, that's, that's the, that's the half, that's the halfway point. That's the match that historically has always been like the, Oh, that's the match of the year spot in AEW. It's kind of it's always kind of been right. that halfway mark at the pay per view. So that's that's always a hard spot. Well, okay. So here's the real the real deal, and here's the thing that I think is the most like glaring thing because Danielson even kind of called it out, and I really do. And you know, whatever it would have been very tough, especially sequencing and how things played out. I think that it kind of ended up being what it needed to be, but. They really should have done what Danielson said, which is open the show with the Iron Man and the Texas death should have been the main event. Like I, you probably would have had to change some stuff about it to make that really work. But to me, it made a lot more sense and it would have probably delivered a lot better because nobody would have had to follow the Texas death match. And I just think like, unfortunately that's, you know, where you're at. Um, But again, like realistically, it'd be very tough to pull off, but I would have absolutely loved it to be that way. Also, part of that is like, I think that that would have made sense if you did that and Danielson won the title, but obviously that's not the way that they were going. So, you know, whatever. Either way, like you said, the match was good. If this match was like on TV or something, we fucking lost our mind for it and thought it was really great. You know, Joe was great. If this was on ROH for the, you know, ROH TV title would have been great, but it was just in a bad spot and that doesn't make the match bad, but it does mean that like for the first, you know, five, 10 minutes of the match, they were dealing with getting the crowd reset and, and getting the crowd back into the mindset of watching wrestling. Um, either way, moving on from the tag team title match four way, this is like hoopla, but honestly relatively reserved for a four way tag team match with a ton of hoopla guys. Right. Um, like this was not really over the top. It wasn't crazy overbooked. It didn't have too much. Um, it had some gimmicks. It had you know Jeff Jarrett in all of his glory. <laughs> Where do you come down on this resurgence of Jeff Jarrett now? Because tons of people are like finally realizing how how great he is. And like I don't know as as the quintessential TNA podcast. Uh, shout out to uh, you've got to be kidding me. Um, but uh yeah like like what do you think about people finally realizing that like Jeff Jarrett is great and the reason why he's great is because he knows he sucks like that's the part that i think is is very funny is that so many people were worked for so many years thinking that Jeff Jarrett thought that he was actually like this fantastic wrestler and didn't realize that like he always was he always presented him himself as a piece of shit heel he almost never presented himself as like the top babyface yeah, no. Um, so, I just have so many years of trauma of Planet Jarrett that I like Jeff, but it's just hard for me sometimes because Jeff has just, he just dominated TNA so much when I was first, when I was first, getting, when I was first getting into it. But I've always thought Jeff was 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 served served a purpose in wrestling, in terms of 
his character and what and what he offers in terms of on the mic and his goofiness and stooging. I always thought he had a level of value. And now that he's older and not focused on and can just do that and doesn't feel like he has to be the guy to carry a company or be the main event guy or be the big name. Cause like we can say whatever about TNA, but like maybe some of it also came from necessity. Like he's the guy that started the company. He's also the most, like as far as like guys that are being like regularly booked there, he's also the biggest name up to, up, up to a point. So maybe it came out of necessity, but also like some, some ego stuff for sure. But end of the day, like, I've always thought Jared's skill set was someone that would be around in wrestling for a long time. And it's just proving itself now in this current iteration of him where like he just gets to stooge around and be and be goofy, which is really just what he was when he first started wrestling. Like that's just yeah. kind of what he is. <laughs> and I like that's yeah. that's that's the best version of him. Not that he can't wrestle, that he's a bad wrestler, but this is what Jeff Jarrett is. He's really good at that. It I just I think it's so it's just so weird because like you said, like yeah, he was on he was on top and in the main events for longer than he needed to be, but people really do confuse that with, like I said, like like that he ever presented himself as the top best wrestler, top guy, and he really never did. Like even in TNA, he was never the top babyface best wrestler. He was always a piece of shit. He was always a heel. He was always a bad guy. And he was pretty much always like cheating and doing underhanded. Like, and again, it it was not necessary. And it was probably, it went a little bit too far at times. But even as you said, I can understand being like, okay, like he is the biggest name and he is kind of the guy that's going to get the most attention. Plus the connection and the family lineage and the fact that you can count on him because he is a partial owner and he's never going to leave. Like it's, it's kind of the Lawler thing. And that's probably the biggest, that was probably the biggest issue with the TNA stuff early on is that they were really trying to mimic the Lawler thing with Jeff, which is the idea that this is the guy that you know, that you're always going to have because he owns a piece of the company so you can trust him. So you might as well keep him as the top champion forever because you know he's never going to leave and it was just a different era where no one really wanted to see that there's a reason why memphis went out of business because the territories died and no one wants that they want fresher you know title picture they want the title to move around all that kind of stuff at that time long title reigns were not popular or in vogue so there's a lot more to that but i do think it's funny that so many people get worked over the idea that they think that like Jarrett ever presented himself as the top badass and the best wrestler like he never did he never Jared almost never took himself seriously and always kind of presented himself as a second rate level wrestler who cheated to win and, and whatever. But either way, um, how do you feel about the acclaimed? Like, I don't think that they've been solidified enough to where like they're bulletproof, but I hear other people kind of acting like they are. They're at the le- like that they think they're at the level where this doesn't matter. And they're always going to be top level over, and they don't need to win the titles back and all that stuff. I, I, like, I think I think that's really I think that's really weird. Yeah, because what did they do to deserve that? Like, not that they're not talented, or what did they like? I don't know what they did to earn that in the eyes of fans. Because yeah, they're entertaining in the act, and the act is over and has been over and got over organically over time. But at the end of the day, like. Their reign wasn't 
like again, you like them, you're a Clay Mega fan, but I think even you would say like their reign or how long they had the belt wasn't filled with a ton of great matches. Like it just it just it just wasn't. And yeah, it's not it's, like it's, it's not that they were bad or anything, it's just it just wasn't filled with that. They weren't highlighted a ton. There wasn't really like a focus with the t- with the, with the TV about like and they're good and I like them, but I definitely don't think that they're bulletproof at all. Honestly, I feel like there's a very real thing where you could see them just sliding back down the totem pole because people are into the entrance and by the time the match starts, people aren't interested anymore, which is what happened at first with the gimmick. Like, I I think think that's all extremely possible. So, I don't know, because I feel like at the end of the day, you need to have some sort of like cachet to fall back to fall back on that when you get in the ring that the matches are going to match up right and just the matches don't match up with them and I just feel like at some point that matters and because they don't have that they don't have uh, 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 glory depending on, on the swerve of your glory thing right but like outside of that I don't feel like they have those things to fall back on. Which I, I don't, which is why I don't think they're in that position at all. Yeah, I don't. I get you. I think that they. I think that they're very good wrestlers. I think that they've had some good matches, but most. You, you, you keep like I'm not saying they're like I like them, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. And, but I'm just saying like in terms of like were they going out there and having great what what people, what no. people will call great matches every single week and being being put in positions to do that every single week? No, they weren't. They didn't like get a chance to build that type of catalog. Yeah, they did not let them build up the equity. They did not let them, like, collect high-level wins over big-time names to put them over and really solidify them, which that was always my biggest thing. It's like, God, you guys have all of these teams, and they didn't really wrestle any of the, the ones that you can consider bigger stars than them. And... They really didn't beat any, you know, big time level names in the tag team division. And now it feels like you're just moving on. And I hear people saying like, oh, they're going to be fine. They're so over and this and that. And it's like, yeah, they they still are one of the top over acts in there. We're talking about the acclaimed Jamie Hayter and Hangman Page are like the top over baby faces. But the acclaimed, like you said, are pretty to me. It's like really teetering on the edge where they're just going to like slink back into obscurity because they never really got solidified as the champions and now you're like well to me it feels like you're going to go to FTR and then you're going to go to to the Bucks and and or at least that's what makes sense and then where is the acclaimed in here because it doesn't really feel like you're going to focus on them and then and you, they're one of your top acts and they could be one of your top babyface acts that you could continue to use forever because they're always fresh and the in the entrance keeps them fresh and it doesn't matter like what they do in the ring even if i do think that they're great wrestlers but you're just gonna let this fucking go and that's i think the biggest weakness of the the tony khan booking um any other thoughts on the actual match itself and then the post-match the return of of ftr before you move on to the main event hear people you said i said any other thoughts on the match itself the post-match with the return of ftr before we move on to the main event. Oh no, just good to see FTR back. I guess all that leaving stuff was uh, work, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't know. But <laughs> who knows? Good 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 to see them back. Like, like like we talked about when they announced leaving in the first place. Like this doesn't make any sense because what are you gonna go do? 
But I guess I, make, I guess that makes sense that it was that it was all the work then. But cool, FTR is going to come back and have great matches. It's all right. All right, Quentin, are you ready to talk about the best Iron Man match since Sasha versus Bailey? Is that, is that what someone has said? <laughs> I mean, does it feel that wrong? There was also, I think, maybe a Daisuke Sasaki versus uh, uh, Dick Togo. I'm trying to Iron think Man of Iron. Not, was... I'm trying to think of Iron Man matches now. Uh, yeah. Um... Um... Yeah, I can't think of Iron Man matches in the last however many years. It's tough. Can't think of. Yeah, can't think of any well, time. Of time well, this is the best one since the last one. Um... True. What did you What did you think? So purposefully made sure to avoid seeing anything about this match. Uh, again, partly partially because I'm out of the loop with what what stuff a lot of the time. Um, at this point is they're like, oh, this is going sixty minutes. Awesome, great, okay. And this has the issue of. Every overly long Brian Danielson match from like that RO from that ROH era, which is why, just why exactly do you do this? At least for this, I can kind of sort of see it if I squint my eyes and turn my head. I can kind of see the point in this. But at the same time, like, no, this is a story that could have been told in 25 or 30 minutes. Yeah. This didn't need this this didn't need to be a thing. But that being said, I liked everything about this match. I liked the way I liked the feeling out process. I liked MJF's take on the stalling with the with with having with having all the water store and everything. I thought that I thought that was neat and cool. I love okay. the shot. Can I ask you about the water? Because I heard some people talk about like the water played into the story and the finish, and I didn't really get that or see it. Am I dumb? Like I get just that he was drinking water and stuff, but it didn't play into the story or the finish in any way, right? Um, I guess there's I guess that they, they'd be saying that every time MJF went out, it was for a water break, so like the ref wasn't looking to see if he would he would do anything nefarious. Uh okay okay I guess that makes sense. Like, well, like I'm not, just, but like that's that, that feels yeah, kind of yeah. reachy though. So like, sure. I'm not sure. Um, but I like the I like the show I like, I like the shoulder selling a lot from a lot from Dragon. I thought that was great when we get MJF's big uh springboard moonsault that's him when he tweaks his knee. That feels that feels organic, and I love the leg work we get from him there and how from Danielson there and how that factors in down the down the stretch with the match. Uh. Only only spot that felt kind of out of place was MJF doing the elbow through the table. That's that's the only thing that felt a little out of place. But other that than felt that, shoehorned in as part of the um, like HBK references, and maybe that's just me, but that's what it felt like. It was yeah. part of the like HBK thing. Yeah, but, yeah much definitely like definitely very shoehorned. Yeah, in. That, that like other like that felt weird. Other than that, I really don't have any issue with the match, and I'm not calling it a perfect match or anything. Like, I just didn't have any that much issue with with it. Honestly, to some people, I'm gonna sound nuts. Like, I probably would give the Texas Death and this the same rating. Like, I Fair. really don't have an issue with this at all. Like, I thought the Dragon was really good. I thought the MJF was 
pretty good for him being in a 60-minute, pretty much a 70-minute match, and I don't have anything bad to say about him. And he bladed, he bladed really well. His, his blade job, his blade job was great. I loved his selling. I loved his selling down the stretch. Um, I don't really like the finish. I guess that's that 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 be that be one thing. I wasn't I wasn't really a fan of the finish. I get the finish. Uh, I get the whole thing of showing MJF is talented, but he still keeps doing little bullshit like this to discredit himself. But I, I get the whole story. I just. The oxygen tank thing, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have to sit on sit on it some more. But it feels like oh, of course they forget to take the oxygen tank. Felt kind of yeah. weird, but I get it too. When you're like they were rushing, they were rushing, they're rushing them out of the ring. I don't know. I got to think about it. So I'm not really feeling the finish as of right now. But over time, I could grow to like it. But yeah, man, from everything there, from the selling. To the pace, to little neat things like the like the like the water breaks, even like the breaking up of the falls. I didn't really have much of an issue with this match, and I mostly liked everything about it. So it's not the best Iron Man match ever, or the best log match ever, or the best long match Brian Danielson's ever been in, or anything like that. But MJF impressed me that he could do that, which is the whole story, which is the whole thing that MJF couldn't wrestle for seventy minutes, but. Yeah, I I still I, I'm still just like you know this would have been better if this was twenty five or thirty. Yep, I completely agree. I think, yeah, they these are two of the best wrestlers in the world. Two of the best wrestlers probably ever have great minds and and work really hard to think about this stuff and put it together, and they have a dog shit stipulation that they forced themselves into that they did not need to. And made themselves have a worse match because they wanted to work off of this, again, like I said, a dog shit stipulation that makes matches worse inherently. Um, that said, like you said, it was great for what they were dealing with. They made it make sense. They worked through the spots in a way that made sense. They did cool stuff. MJF throwing tequila on a child. I'm going to say it. Everyone else is hemming and hawing and feeling bad. That was cool. I thought it was cool. It was great in the moment. It was great. I don't care. I hear people saying, oh, that was such a bad thing. And it's uh, Tony tells him never again. You can't do that kind of stuff. It's a bad judgment call. It was not a bad judgment call. Tony Khan does have to tell MJF, don't do that again. But that doesn't make it not cool. The whole fucking point is that the boss has to tell you not to do stuff like that. But the reason why he has to tell you not to do it is because it's a cool thing and it's fun to do and you want to do it. Um, you know, and that was, it was great. It was great. I loved it. That kind of stuff just coming organically on top of the way that the match was laid out perfectly. The Shawn Michaels stuff. I thought that the skinning the cat super kick into the fucking Heisman pose was, was a great Shawn Michaels tease. And that was enough. But then like you talked about the elbow drop, I don't know. It felt like a shoehorned in reference to Shawn Michaels, at least to me, because it was a version of the picture perfect elbow, at least it seemed like it. Um, it was not necessary. And you know, Michaels was known for doing the big dive into the 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 uh ringside announcer's table. Um so it really did feel like that was like they were trying to force that in and it didn't make sense in the context, whatever. The uh the psycho driver, um the storm cradle driver, 
whatever you want to call it, the people were saying it was made in Japan. Who people who have never seen fucking wrestling? I thought that was funny. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, I can't even remember who the original was. I know it's probably a Joshi move before any of that, but I don't recall. I can't remember whose move it actually was. Um, and I did just recently see it, so I do know it is a Joshi move, but I forgot. Um, either way, that was like a, a nuts spot. The commentary played off of it really well. MJF getting color like a motherfucker. His blade job, that was like when I talked about uh, I wish that Hangman Page had gotten better color. I wish he had gotten color like fucking MJF here. This motherfucker bled like a stuffed pig. That was... All, only thing is, like it, it was it was I'm not mad at the timing but it just happened so late too but like yeah I guess, I guess yeah. that helps with the visual with the ending visual of like MJF beating 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 dragon and everything and by the time you get to that end of 70 minutes like having like the blood smeared all over him like if you did it earlier on the visual might not look as good so I get that. But man, it's like, damn, you waited until that long to get to get like the blood out of him, especially like that right. good of a blade job, too. I know it would have been nice if it had been earlier for sure. Um, definitely agree with that. One thing, you know, people, I just, I don't know, I don't know why I, why I even, you know, try with people and in, the, in their inability to understand things. Um, so there's no rest period in between falls, right? And that was like part of the whole thing. And they announced that at the beginning, whatever, whatever. I don't want to like, not going to litigate that. But by the time we get to it and everyone should understand that when, when Danielson does get the regal stretch um, and he gets a submission off of it, I did hear some people saying like, well, why did he break the hold? Right. Why didn't he just hold it and get more submissions? Cause there's no rest period. And it's like, well, if you know anything about, again, like we talked to, we started out the show talking about UFC. Um, if you know about combat sports and stuff, like when you tap out, that's the same as a rope break. That is, it's legally breaking the hold. So, like, you have to break the hold or else he would have just gotten disqualified. Now, you could argue that he could hold the hold, get a disqualification, and then, you know, again, continue on to it after the DQ and then get another submission. But, like, then at that point, what are you doing? It's just a stalemate, right? Um, so you're just trading every win for another for a loss until time runs out. So it's just like, yeah, you just got to break it up. Now, you could argue that like he should have held it for the five count, especially because throughout this match, Danielson repeatedly did the I've got till five. He he mentioned it multiple times. So they probably could have done that. And then you would have explained it to the people that he's going to get a five count because, you know, again, when someone taps out, you legally have to break the hold because a tap out is like it's a it's a legal rope. It's a legal break. So. Whatever, but either way, I just thought that was funny. People are like, why did he let go of the hold? It's like, hey, well, because a tap out is a legal break. The hold has to be broken. Um, but either way, otherwise, yeah, like put together really good, solid, great match for fighting uphill battle, but not at the same level as the Texas Death, which like I've said, like I don't I think that last man standing matches are intrinsically a bad stipulation. Uh Iron Man match might be the only stipulation that's technically worse. Um uh, but yeah, and then the the post match and the finish and all that, I I thought they did it well, but I do I kind of hate it because it's like you set up the Iron Man, so you know make it work and get me the story and the finish and everything that you want to do do it within the hour because that's the whole fucking point of doing the. I, I, the I, Iron I was Man, on the, I was on the phone with a friend of mine as I was watching this match, and 
I keep telling, and as the time's going down, I'm telling him like, "Fuck, they're going to overtime, aren't they?" And I was yeah. like, "I'm already like, I'm already watching this, watching this 60 minute match. They're about to go to overtime, and like he could hear my dread as 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 I realized, like, oh my god, it's a minute and a half left. Yeah. This is going to overtime, which again." For a match I really enjoyed, like I really did like, uh, I did like most most things about this match, but still I was like, God fucking damn it, I don't want ten more minutes of this. Yeah. And the ten more minutes was good, yeah. but still I just I didn't want it. Like I already I already spent sixty minutes here. I don't want this. Yeah, you did it. They like I said, they executed it great. But it's like to me, it's just like as as a booker, as a wrestler, as whatever. Like you've got an hour to tell me the story like already that you don't really need we've already talked about that part of it don't fucking go into overtime you don't need it you you really don't and it's funny because this match and these motherfuckers taking the iron man match and saying like oh we need to go into overtime to tell our story because we can't do it in an hour is getting praised by the same people who will take every chance they get to call timothy thatcher style matches masturbatory and self-satisfying and it's like okay how many hour-long matches have you seen from Timothy Thatcher in the past fucking, you know, five years? But, you know, this is great, all-time, legendary, match of the year, five stars. Nothing's ever been better. But Timothy Thatcher's masturbatory. You're telling me these guys couldn't figure out a way to tell this fucking story within an hour? You're telling me these guys couldn't have told this story in 25 minutes, like we've already said. But Thatcher is self-gratifying and masturbatory. Okay. Okay, I see you, and I'll remember this, you know, down the line. But either way, Quentin, um, coming out of it, like I said, I'll just I'll break this down real quick. This is what I see. This is how I I think the booking should go. I was honestly kind of close because what I thought that they should have done, MJF fucks over Wardlow to lose the TNT title to Hobbs tonight on Dynamite. But what actually happened was QT Marshall showed up and helped uh, Hobbs keep the title. Either way. Spin out of that, do TV, build to battle of the belts, MJF versus Wardlow, TV feud to keep MJF a little bit busy because MJF needs to get his win back from Wardlow destroying him last year, needs to be petty and fuck this guy over, and then spin out from there to Omega because we want to keep the title on War- on MJF for a while, and Omega's a really good win for him to get against an established star who can take the loss and that way you don't have to burn anything with any of the other guys. And then that's where I say, okay, but then from there, you see how Jungle Boy is doing. Is he ready to be a challenger who can lose? Blah, blah, blah. But my big picture is Paige getting the title back from MJF. And you see kind of how the booking is looking after the next pay-per-view. Who's heated up where you got at to decide what you want to do. But that's what makes sense to me. Um, I don't know what, what thoughts you have. No, when you lay that out, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Like double or double or nothing, MJF Kenny. You could throw in Jungle Boy, maybe maybe a Darby for some in between title defenses, and then making your way to MJF versus Hangman All Out, where Hangman wins the belt back. Yeah. I think I think I think when you went like now that you laid it out, that makes a ton of sense. So I'm I'm all, I'm all for, I'm all, I'm all for that actually. Yeah, that's to me. That's what makes sense, and and what I where I would like to go with with everything. Um, 
just because, again, like I said, Kenny's, you need MJF to get another win over an established star that everyone thinks of as a top guy, but who can easily take the loss without it like affecting them. And I think that Kenny is like kind of the perfect guy for that, especially if he's leaving, right? Like if he's leaving, then fuck yeah, let let uh, MJF beat him because, you know, then he can go to WWE having lost to your guy. But either way, and again, you still have the wiggle room to say, okay, well, if he, if, if the MJF thing is still working and we can keep Paige hot, we can go through a feud with Jungle Boy. We can go through a feud with Ricky Starks. You know, you have other baby faces who are, are ready as long as you keep them hot that they can get a, a title feud in between. Um, I guess, Quentin, any other final thoughts? Anything else you want to hit before we before we head out? No, I'm good. Now that you laid it out, I feel like you laid out like exactly how this should go. Like the issue will be like on the page end and making sure page stays hot. So whether that's like doing like more with a Blackpool Combat Club or pivoting towards some uh Jericho Appreciation Society stuff or whatever you use, but yeah, as long as you keep Hangman hot until until September, I feel like that should be the move. So I'm I'm with you there. But other than that, no, I got nothing else. I got nothing else. Um, All right, perfect. But if we're all wrapped up, then uh, you can follow me on Twitter at QT underscore Moody. You can follow Tim at ROH Dutch. You can follow the podcast network at WDKWPN. If you're feeling as so kind, as so kind, you can donate to us on coffee. You can fund Tim's uh, like half a mile trip to. <laughs> To, to, to the globe I don't know like maybe like a mile and a half trip to the globe but if, you're, if, you're, if you're feeling if you're feeling that's so kind to but that's it for us this week thank you all for listening I hope you're here next time everything disgusting conversation is so boring heard about what I hate her I don't agree I did it first I give a fuck I just want fuck eat sleep love happy king you make me happy king you keep me happy king you distract me from all the disaster can you touch on me and i'll call me after can you hate on me and mask it with laughter can you lead me to the act was the password i need humanity